This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 484, for November 25th, 2015. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Macworld Senior Contributor Glenn Fleischman, and here to join me in wishing you the best of the American holiday season is Executive Editor Susie Oaks. Hello, Susie. Hello, Glenn. How are you? I am, uh, you know, it's traditional when we record that one of the other of us has a cold and getting over a cold again. Is it your turn? My turn, but you know, it's the holidays, time for colds. I got my flu shot. Folks, unsolicited advertisement, get your flu shots. Your insurance may cover it. Often does. Because uh, this year's flu shot, especially effective. There you go. It has nothing to do with technology except the technology of making effective vaccines. Boom. <laughs> uh, Unrelated. But uh, yeah, we're going into uh, what is called American Thanksgiving. The more Canadians I know, the more I hear you have American football and Canadian rules football. You have American Thanksgiving and Canadian Thanksgiving has already come and gone. So we're about to go into a little bit of a quiet period at Macworld and other American organizations. But before then, uh, i got a few things to talk about. Uh, so uh, last week, you had a conversation with Dan Benjamin about the iPad Pro. And uh, this week, you're still waiting for your pencil. You're Apple yes. Pencil. Well, I have a pencil, but I should have two. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, my pencil privilege showing. So we, <laughs> I, I last check, week I also said that my check mark um, your principal with your pencil yeah. privilege. <laughs> last week I also said that my review would be up on Monday, and that was a filthy lie. So I'm very sorry. I'm finishing the review. There's a lot to say about this thing, and it will be up uh, tomorrow, the same day the podcast will be up. So it's up now. I swear. Don't hurt me. Um, but. <laughs> the pencil that so we Apple was kind enough to send us a set. Um, I think we got it like on launch day on Friday, um, and then we ordered our own set too. Um, and the the iPad came, but the pencil and the keyboard are still not here. They said uh, oh estimate between the twentieth and the thirtieth, and that was with like rush shipping, ordering it on the very first day you could order it at two a.m., like a couple hours after it went up for order. So that's a bummer that we haven't gotten our other pencil yet, but. The pencil that we have is very, very nice. I really like it. I hear great um, things we had about it. it. I, I had Jackie Dove review the pencil because she is um, more experienced with the kind of graphical software that it's you know really great at, and she's got more experience than me with the Adobe Ink um, stylus, which is also very smart and uh, you know kind of a competitor to the pencil. So she, we've got a, a separate review of that that's also going up on Wednesday. But um, you know I, I talk about it in my review too because it's. It's such a selling point for this iPad Pro. It's really great. Um, but the iPad itself, I'm, I have a little more mixed feelings on. And you'll be able to read more about that. But, um, yeah, that's a bummer that they're still not shipping. I guess if you order one now, it's it's like a month or something. Yeah, our uh, friends over at uh, Upgrade Podcast on Relay FM, um, our friends Jason Snell and Sarandi Caldwell, uh, and also Mike Curley, not that he's not our friend, but I, they, they were uh, more, uh, I think, intrigued with the pencil part. Jason does not draw, and, uh, <laughs> and he posted some notes. We talked about this last week. Um, but Serenity came on uh, the podcast uh, last week to talk about it, but she hadn't had a pencil yet. Jason had his. It was yeah, very frustrating. she's got so one now, and she's she in came love. Back, right. So they recorded another episode, a uh, new episode, with uh, with her talking about that. And there's some, uh, actually, you go to iMore.com. Our friends over at iMore, uh, Serenity did a very interesting demo of um, using the iPad Pro with a Macintosh with, uh, you know, essentially screen, screen, screen sharing, but with the pencil to show how a lot of illustrators work with like a Wacom uh, yes. style tablet. And that was very, the lag is terrible. 
but it's not uh, it's not a showstopper. And ostensibly, the software will get bat- better and reduce lag over time. There'll be more efficient ways for that uh, to happen as people developers actually work with the iPad Pro and are able to tap into better. Uh, routines, but uh, it was showed some of that potential. But everyone I've read uh, read anything about who's had a chance to work with the pencil has said, okay, this is the thing that was always lacking as a stylus on iPads. It's so nice to have something that's so well designed and well thought out, and it's like best in class. So Apple, as usual, they wait until they can do something they think is the best, and they do it. But um, uh, you know, not having the pencil out is a tricky part when you're trying to sell a product for which it's rare. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I mean, well. maybe there was a you know it was it was harder than they thought to manufacture or something. It's but got a ton it's, of components. It's, it's really it. a shame that it, you can't you know just walk into the Apple Store and walk out with a pencil yeah. because it's so great. Um, so the- yeah, I'm kind of like Jason Snell in that I don't draw a lot, but I used to. You know, like kids like to draw and color, and I actually even like downloaded some adult you know those adult coloring books that are kind of all the rage now yeah. and it's supposed oh, to be like I a mean, meditative thing and you sit in color I just bought one of those. and I downloaded some of those and like loaded them up in the Procreate app on my iPad Pro and started coloring and then I'd like get a little Hulu window and put it in there and watch my stories while I'm coloring and it's really nice like it, the pencil just makes me want to use it so I mean I, I was taking notes at a meeting the other day and I was like doing little doodles and drawing little trees and it's like the stuff that I used to do when I carried around like notebooks and pens all the time like all through high school and college I was always like writing like you know you know Bon Jovi lyrics and 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 hearts and stars and stuff like all over my notebooks so that it was, it was kind of fun to like I got this like this nostalgic for for nostalgia for pen and paper, plus this like cool, sort of futuristic feeling of oh my gosh, I'm using this like this pencil from the future on this like giant you know glass tablet. This is really cool. So the, yeah, the, the the pencil really makes me want to use it more. So even though I didn't think that I was going to get a lot of use out of the pencil, and I don't technically need it for any of like the you know work that I do on the iPad Pro. It just makes me want to pick it up and, and play with it. It's 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 quite the device. Yeah, and I think uh, it's got a broad appeal for exactly what you said too. It's not cheap, but uh, and I expect no. we'll now see uh, note taking apps and so forth. And I think there's some evidence. I've read different things over the years about uh, you know different learning styles. Some people need to type. Some people need to listen. Some people need to audio tape and listen to a lecture or a discussion again. Some people need to take notes. And taking notes, being able to have that hand coordination. We're working with my younger kid. Now, uh, you know, they still teach handwriting. I don't think they teach enough of it. And it's not because I want his writing to be good. I believe that the hand-eye connection is actually an extremely mm-hmm. important part, even when using computers. Um, it's, it's, you still, there's a precision you develop, this really fine motor skill and a connection to the eye that you have to do by hand. If you don't develop that connection, I don't think you can develop it entirely digitally. And I think it's a pro- and so it manifests itself as kids have terrible handwriting, it's like, I don't care about that. Like the handwriting, it's, it's useful to have good handwriting for good communication because you will have opportunities in your life. Even in the digital age, we're going to be writing stuff by hand and it should be legible and it shouldn't, uh, you know, it's one of those marks of intelligence, rightly or wrongly. It's like people look at you as uncultured. If you can't write in a, a script or in some fashion that uh, resembles what they think cultured writing looks like. So it becomes an educational marker, uh, among other things, or a social marker. But I think beyond that, that's, you know, whole socioeconomic situation. 
It's just you want to cement that. So being able to doodle and take notes and do that, I think it enforces a different pattern in your head. You're writing a different set of instructions as you mm -hmm. listen um, to something or you're making notes that would be even unrelated, but they're coming out of it. You get a different uh, – it cements it in a different way. And then, of course, we'll have software that will, over time, the iPad Pro is going to promote – uh, developers to look into ways to let you incorporate that, which will include handwriting recognition, which is, you know, a little bit better than the Newton days. We already know that. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're well past the Newton days of uh, egg freckles, and uh, it won't be a big deal. Eat, I mean, I should. Yeah, Martha. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked me, they were like, oh, there's, you know, if you handwrite something in the notes app, can it convert that to text? And I mean, I'm sure, like you said, that, you know, that's coming. Um, maybe not to an Apple's app, but somebody will write that and it'll be great. Yeah, they exist. I mean, I was using, uh, what was it, Microsoft's product, not OneNote. I forgot the name of it. Years ago, they had something that did that. And they'd have a thing where if you, you could record audio, it was, on a, it was a Mac version of, um, what was it? What? I can't remember what it was. There's other software like this. You record audio. So you're in a lecture. You record audio. Oh, those audio. smart pens, li li lights, live scribe. Oh, there's those. But this was even software where you could, as you wrote, as you typed rather, or you drew, I think as well, it would support a stylus. Uh, it would capture the timestamp of the audio. So if you wanted oh, to go back to where I you took the note, those, it would actually go Galaxy back to the Galaxy Note can do that. Point of the yeah, audio. Yeah, yeah. There's so, some stuff that does that. But it's that reinforcing thing. It's like I, mm -hmm. as a note taker, as someone just doing interviews, I would love something that would capture audio and mark it to the stroke on a line or, or even register what line I'm on. Mm -hmm. So I could go back and say, what did this mean? Robot. I don't remember that. Like tap. Oh, well, the thing is robots will be taking over the universe. Like, oh, there we go. That's the quote I needed. Yeah, because be you could just like pay more attention to the person speaking and then just write down like a star or a number one or something and then be able to tap that later and be like, oh, I numbered all the money quotes, like oh, one, two, gosh. three, four, and then exactly. you go right to that thing and you transcribe it. Sounds like yeah, a reporter so thing, I, but it'll help in class notes too and, and meetings. Yeah, like using it has made me realize that the thing I miss about pen and paper was that I treated it as just like such an anything goes kind of draft. And I would just like I would scribble during meetings, scribble notes. Um, I, I was on a jury once for a week and I filled up like two steno books full of notes and the other jurors were making <laughs> awesome. fun of me. And I was like, but that's how I pay attention. Like My it's like active listening for that. me. And uh, some of the notes were like, you know, sarcastic reactions to what was happening, like, you know, on the witness stand. But. But don't play so, hangman with yourself <laughs> while you're at a trial. That's the only rule. Yeah, no, it was like I had to do it or I would I wouldn't be able to stay awake. But um but but when I'm taking notes like, you know, in in a college class or or you know, when I used to take uh, when I take handwritten notes at interviews, which I still do, it's kind of like a, a first draft and then the reason that I don't mind that I can't like have those like magically converted to text is because then I'm going to go through and I'm going to pick out like what's important and I'm going to retype it. My mom taught me to do that. She was like, I would always go home like after class and retype my notes. Oh and my like, gosh. that sounds so nuts. But There's like, you, I remember it so good. If I wrote it down once with my hand and then I type it again later, like, that's it. Like, I'm going to remember that. So I used to have so, a trick memory. So I got around that. If I wrote it down, I could actually remember it. And I almost remember the physical act of writing it down. Uh, but I've heard a lot of people talk about that. And then you have your notes at the end of the term. You had your notes and they're assembled and you go through and you review and you actually get grades and so forth. Yeah. I mean, you can sell those. You can monetize those notes now. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So the, the pencil has really brought some of that back to me. And it's I really like it. I was taking I'm going to take notes with it in meetings now. So I, I really hope they bring it to the other iPads. And I'm going to talk more about all of this in my review. Good. I just I, like spoiled half of it. I look forward to you uh, posting your notes for meetings with uh, <laughs> flowers and, uh, and. I'll send you a screenshot. I'm going to put a screenshot in the reviews. Jethro Tull cover and yeah, album it was like sketches. I was taking notes in blue. 
And then I would like, write bullets for just things that, you know, were said. And then I would write like a check mark by the things that were action items. I would underline in red the things I wanted to like, you know, type later into my like to do app or underline them in green if I wanted to like, you know, write that down in my my text file of notes that like syncs everywhere that I always have. So, I, you know, I, yeah. I try to be organized and the pencil I think is going to be a good tool for that, even though I didn't think that I was going to need it because I don't, you know, draw. I always like drawing uh, 3D cubes and um, flower petals. There's some. Yeah, very, I draw little swirls and good. I don't know. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll talk. I can't wait to actually. I have to go back to an Apple store and try one. I did not get a review unit because I don't really, I don't really review Apple equipment at this point, so I don't get review stuff unless I have some specific need. But I'll go try one out. Uh, Jeff's on to, got one. Uh, what's up? Your your buddy Jeff Carlson has one. I know. I could, I could go knock in the store. Show me your iPad, bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, on to some other news. And we were going to talk. We have this topic up for a little bit later here. We're going to talk about um, going home for the holidays, and uh, which a lot of Americans do because it's American Thanksgiving, uh, and uh, helping your relatives. But but first, uh, T-Mobile uh, is continuing to push its uncarrier carrier carrier uh, <laughs> thing, where um, it's a beautiful. I you know they're. Not, what they do isn't perfect, and their network isn't as big as, you know, Verizon's particularly. Uh, and there are other issues, of course, right? T-Mobile is not the perfect carrier, but I love. I keep talking about how much I love that they are pushing the window, and they're not, you know, in ma- they're not like about to go bankrupt. Like they're they're on a strategy that's getting them more customers, and apparently they're keeping their costs at a level where they can actually make this into a working um, model. So the latest thing is, if you were an existing customer as of November twenty third, the day they announced this. You get uh, with their simple uh, choice prepaid or postpaid plan. Right, the postpaid is where you, you know, get a credit check and you're paying for the month's service uh, in advance and extra stuff that you have to pay for, as opposed to prepaid where you pay and you kind of run it down or and so forth. Um, or an MVNO plan where you're working with a third party. So postpaid, simple choice, uh, three months of unlimited LTE, no matter what your plan is, and if you have data in your plan that does get exhausted, then uh, it runs through that first so you don't get rollover data from it. So if you go through your your allotment and then your rollover amount, uh, you, you know, you'll run, you won't continue that after the three months. So that's part, I mean, I don't know if they're trying to get people to burn through that. That's one complexion, but I think it's more like, hey, this is another way to keep people at Christmas from switching because we just gave them unlimited LTE. So if they're on a low-end plan, and they wouldn't have it, and they're traveling, suddenly there's no overage charges. It's like, well, maybe I won't change now that it's Christmas and there's other deals going on. So, uh, Yeah, and you're seeing your family. You could all jump on a plan together. Um, so like people are selling all these unlocked phones now on these installment plans, so it's easier to switch just sort of whenever. Well, so. they've got a deal, too, where if you, they're doing now upgrades where if you buy a 16-gig iPhone, they'll give you a 64 gig. You buy 64, they give you 128. They basically upgrade you at no Ooh. cost. Yeah, that just got announced. I'm not sure. All these deals are. You got to look at T-Mobile's site because they're they're uh, going to offer some switcher deals to Sprint and AT&T and Verizon customers. It's this whole. It's a very clever strategy, and I applaud it because what it's meant is we are all paying less, and the money isn't coming out of. Um, you know, I don't know, like U.S. Treasury uh, tax receipts is coming out of the high profit margins enjoyed by some of these companies. And they've had high margins because of a lack of competition. So uh, heaven forbid that their margins should go down. But this isn't driving companies, again, into bankruptcy. It means they're going to have to operate leaner and have a you know worse return. They're going to have a worse return but still be profitable as they uh, fight this off. And all that money goes back into our pockets. So billions of dollars will be saved. And, well, uh, T-Mobile's still like investing a lot in its yeah, they're you know, building infrastructure. Out. Yeah, or they're at least not making, they're 
they're you know telling us about it. <laughs> no, it's true. They're, I mean, they're I uh, I don't believe they're not profitable at the moment, but they're but they're gaining subscribers and they're on the right course. Like you know, heaven forbid we quote analysts, but um, uh, the analysts have been pretty positive about these moves because they're not ruinous. They're not actually doing stuff that is unsustainable over the long term. They're willing to take a very very thin. Uh, margin and actually, you know, and pay for customers now, but then they're using techniques that in the long haul, they'll keep people and all these things about international roaming and other fees They keep cutting fees and they're doing things that don't actually cost them very much money for most customers. Like I go to Canada once a year. I haven't been outside the United States otherwise for, I don't know, several years. Like I don't travel internationally. But the fact is, if you do, uh, you have all these extra fees. Even if you go to Canada or Mexico every once in a while, they're taking those fees off. So they're just all these little things that sound great. And when you're evaluating a plan, I think push people more to either stay with them or switch to them when they're looking at it. So uh, it's good. Um, yeah. The little things approach kind of reminds me of Amazon, how like they get you into Prime for one reason, but then they give you like 18 more reasons to like just keep Prime. <laughs> exactly. So even if the original reason goes away, like your kid's no longer in diapers, which was my original reason for joining yes, Prime. Yes. Yeah. I, like I could cancel at any time, but you know, I'd lose this and this and this. So yeah. The uh, smart, smart. Related thing you know, with Amazon is Amazon had their uh, they have Prime uh, Fresh, Amazon Fresh uh, food delivery. Oh, and yeah. that was, you would pay per delivery and they had all these deals. And then, you know, they changed it to, it's a $300 a year fee. It's so expensive. It I looked Prime. at it because I'm very lazy and I love having stuff just brought to me. But yeah, it's so expensive. $300 a year. And you don't pay, I believe with that, you don't pay any delivery fees if you hit a pretty small minimum. Uh, but, you know, I we used to use it occasionally, especially when our kids were younger. It'd be like, oh, Amazon Fresh, can we work up an $80 tab or whatever to get free delivery sure and they could come sometimes that same day and so they figured out what people will be willing to pay and what they're willing to pay is apparently a lot yeah. uh, so they're hitting a certain kind of you know upper middle class uh or upper class customer who is paying for the privilege and you know 200 bucks a lot of money and especially when you've got we've got instacart we've got uh other delivery services in the seattle area some places have peapod and other uh other comp competitors so uh, at some point, we were going to talk about that at one point, and we should bring that back up maybe after the holidays about uh, the – it was the shut-in economy we were talking about a bit, but also oh, like right. the, the convenience of it. And some of these things, like it's one thing to get every meal delivered um, via service, another to get groceries delivered. It's a very interesting and different model that I'm, I'm – you know, I've tried Postmates, and we'll talk about that. Speaking of paying for things, though, we have talked many times about uh, chipped cards and, uh, and near-field communication, NFC technology like Apple Pay and uh, the Square Pay Reader. You're finally going to start seeing that in the wild. And this is this little uh, square, it's literally a square device, a little bit not very deep, that'll have both Wouldn't a it be chip. wacky if it was like a triangle? A triangle. Well, you know, that was the funny thing. When PayPal introduced their square-style reader, it was this weird triangle shape. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was Remember, a triangle. So, I know. You're like, all right, maybe read the point. Circle well, takes I the mean, square. I have to make it like recognizable, but that's still very funny. That's right. Who's oh, in the center square? It's Paul Lind. <laughs> Circle takes square. Uh, no, that's X takes the. I don't know. X takes the center square. Yeah, it's a little square. It kind of looks like a mini um, airport express. It's a yeah, little oh, that's white yeah. square with rounded corners. It's got the rounded corners. Oh, you're right. That's I knew it was. It's that's very Apple. It's cute. Yeah. I'm and it's at it right. wire. It's wireless. Use Bluetooth. You charge it via USB, and it can take a charge. It lasts the whole day, so you can take it out. They're, you know, they're meant for this to be portable, but also used in 
fixed uh, retail locations, and it reads both the chipped cards and the uh, and Apple Pay and all the other systems out there that use near-field communication. And 100 stores, we got a story on the site, 100 stores have it in 20 cities initially, and it's going to start going out in bulk. And you know, ostensibly, they're going to start shipping uh, tens of thousands of these things. I'm, I have one on order because uh, they refund you the money. I occasionally take stuff via credit card. Uh, I've sold some books and do some other things, and I like to have it to test, too. So it's 49 bucks up front, uh, and then uh, they refund it to you in fees as you use it. And um, Cool. It looks fun. cool. I can't wait to see one out in the out in the wild. Did we talk about the Trader Joe's experience yet? I forgot if I mentioned that in a previous podcast. Mm, the, uh, vaguely rings a bell. Well, the brief, the brief thing is you go and I put up some Twitter photos about this a few weeks ago. Trader Joe's turned on the chip reading thing in their point of sale oh, systems, yeah. and uh, it takes like 20 to 30 seconds for the transaction versus like a swipe, which takes a second. And the clerks had to get educated. They had to put up all, they have all these tiny handwritten all these little sites. signs, yeah. And they have to tell the customer, like, okay, put it in now. Don't, don't touch don't it. Don't touch wait, it. Don't touch wait, it. Don't touch wait. it. Yeah. I know. And it's such a, but this is the <laughs> That's future. everywhere now. It's so funny. So people th- are starting to catch on. Like, I mean, yeah. I get now. But you have to, like, stick it in and you have to kind of, like, really stick it in so it, like, kind of latches or whatever. Like, yeah. I've had a couple where I'm standing there like an idiot because like, it's not, like, uh-huh. in the whole way. And I'm just like, can I take it out yet? So, yeah, there's a lot of re education. It's totally an advertisement for touchless payment, though, because you do yes. this. And you're like, oh, gee, you know, the next, it's a version there. Be like, oh, am I going to pull up my credit card? Or, no, I got my Apple phone. Okay. Or, you know, I was thinking about getting an upgraded phone. Maybe I'll get one just so I can pay in, you know, a tenth of a second instead of 20 seconds. Uh, anyway, it's funny. Uh, I still feel a little bougie paying for things with my phone, but I'm getting over it. <laughs> I, I, it's secure. It's the more secure way uh, to pay. And so, hey, so speaking of security. But well, it also feels insecure because you're just like, oh, I'll just pay with my $600 phone. How are you? Put the phone in my pocket hey, now and I'm taking my stuff and leaving. People like, especially usually, like, yeah, it's. Everyone's got a phone now. This is the thing. Is, you That's know, true. Is so many like, people have phones. Everyone has a phone. It's hard to tell, especially in a case, what kind of phone it is. So is someone going to mug you for a $10 phone? Oh, no, I have the rose gold just like rocking out there. There's no case on that thing. You got your $17,000 <laughs> Apple watching. It's your so wrist. pretty. I want them and, to see uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty. I should put it in a case and then I will feel better using it to pay for things. Oh, my gosh. That's really funny. Well, I gave, the- I had a beautiful Nina Garcia Otterbox that I loved. And oh. then I gave my old phone to my husband, and he's like a big Otterbox guy. So he was like, Oh, I got to get an Otterbox for this. And I was like, Haha, do you want to use my Nina Garcia uh, one? Uh, and he uh. was like, uh, Yes. Oh. So he took my awesome case. Right on. <laughs> yeah, he's rocking it. He likes it. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, I know. Yeah, that's well in the future. I mean, that's what the watch is about, too, is that it's less obtrusive. You're wearing the watch and you just tap it. Uh, so that's kind of the notion there. And I then still, they know you have a watch and a phone. <laughs> I know. Then you have a watch, but you don't have to take the phone out, though. That way. it's. But I the, mean, they know you have a phone. <laughs> if they're paying attention. I mean, who's that? Who is I this know, they? I know. I'm, I'm just kidding. My mother-in-law used to talk about hiding the silver from the robbers. And, and my wife said <laughs> she grew up thinking there was like a family called the robbers who, when you left the house, <laughs> the robbers would come. because Were they all dressed like the Hamburglar? I guess so. And what was funny is when uh, her parents were moving out of their house, it was actually really, really hard-pressed to find the silver. Because she did it really well. They're like the borrowers, but they're less they, polite. Exactly. The robbers. The borrowers will bring it We're back. We're leaving now. The robbers are coming in. Uh, hey, but speaking about in-laws and other and outlaws. Oh, in-laws good and segue. Outlaws, <laughs> in-laws and outlaws. My new book about family relationships and crime. Uh, home <laughs> for the holidays. So we were talking about this. This comes up every year. And American Thanksgiving may be the... Uh, Appropriate occasion, but also people Can will we travel. start calling it American Rules Thanksgiving? American <laughs> Rules Thanksgiving, that's right. American <laughs> Rules Thanksgiving. 
Well, this, you know, this year we're talking about refugees. Thanksgiving has a very different uh, residence anyway. There's a lot. To, we have a lot to be thankful uh, But, you know, we all, a lot of people are traveling. We know this. We're having a, uh, we're having a little get, uh, open house uh, after Thanksgiving uh, here in my home. And, uh, you know, we invited a ton of people because we knew the party yield would be lower. Like 75% of the people we invited are on the road. They have family actually staying with them. So we won't, you know, we invited, I think, just a ridiculous number of people knowing that like 20 will show up. And so it'll be great. Won't be uh, totally overstuffed, but a lot of people are on the road. And, uh, you know, Macworld's written these stories in the past. And you can find them a lot of places. Like, a lot of the advice I wind up giving in the private eye column is uh, how to help other people. Because, look, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast or you read Macworld, you are obviously above average, uh, handsome, uh, you know, intelligent, <laughs> well-mannered. We know you know what you're talking about. And yeah. so, but it's often you're the person, people who who are Macworld readers and podcast listeners are the ones who are going to be tapped by their family. You're going to be the person. You're the leader of your tribe, man. Yeah, they're going to be like, hey, Susie, I got this, you know, your second cousin once removed is like, you know, I was thinking about buying a Mac, but, you know, I hear they're... They're broken or they're expensive. And <laughs> if I get one, will you help me? And you're like, oh, maybe they should get windows. Maybe they should get. <laughs> I know somebody, actually a friend who uh, convinced their parents to get Windows uh, PCs instead of Macs because they didn't want to support them. They'll be like, no, can't help you folks. Yeah. Uh, My parents watch, have Windows uh, and I'm like, oh, you know. Master of None uh, Episode 2 on Netflix you should watch. There's a there's an iPad-related text, parent, parental tech support uh, Issue you should tune in for. Them. I heard those are really his parents. I those haven't seen really that one yet. Those are really his parents. Yet. They're fantastic. Yeah, they're, I haven't gotten a chance to watch. They're it. very, they're very funny because they're they're real human. Beings. They're not actors. Uh, this is a very funny iPad. People your... talking to their parents is always funny. There's, yeah, it's, their there's parents are not, not ashamed about uh, the way to be our on parents screen. talk to us. Yeah, but uh, so one of the you know we talked about what what can you do for uh, relatives and parents when you're home and you actually have physical access to their computers. You know, one of the things is uh, we've done this with my uh, in-laws with their permission is we've installed remote control access software, which is difficult to talk people through when you're not there. And there are some web-based things like uh, Join.me, which I had trouble getting to work recently, um, but a lot of people swear by that. And there's uh, there are things like uh, Zoom and other software that you can send someone to a web browser. You just send them a link and they click on it and they can give you access, but typically only to observe. But if you want to install something like uh, LogMeIn went uh, commercial, they used to have a free version. There's also TeamViewer, which is free for personal use. Like TeamViewer doesn't actually check whether you're using it for personal use or not. They're very nice about like, hey, we give you access to everything and it's really expensive if you're using it for business. Or not re- I mean, it's it's reasonable, but it's not cheap. It's not like a home quick purchase, but they have uh, versions you can install. So you install TeamViewer and there's iOS and OS X and Windows and other platform versions. And then you can provide remote technical support. Uh, there's also Back to My Mac. If you set up Back to My Mac for um, you know parents, grandparents, children, whomever, then uh, they can, um, you can use, uh, <laughs> still, it's still uh, there. You can log into their account. You could set up an account on your own Mac that uses their same credentials and you would be able to connect remotely to them and screen share over the internet. But Do you, you can have also to give them your iCloud, like put your iCloud account on there. Well, you would put, you would use theirs if they're willing to give you again, all with permission. Oh, you okay. use their account, set up a separate OS 10 account on your computer. That's just for doing remote tech support. So it also isolates 
your machine. The other option is um, it's still there in messages. If you're it's in on, messages, I was just going to yeah. say well, you, you don't can, need any of this stuff. You <laughs> can, but that's more. Then you have to make sure they're logged in to AOL or not. To, you know, to AOL Instant Messenger essentially. Right. Uh, they have to have their iCloud account in there. They have to be logged in, and then sometimes the NAT and other uh, networking stuff doesn't work. But you can request you connect to them through there, and you can request to share their screen, uh, or you, you can ask for that, or they can push their screen to you. So you can kind of figure out which one they would be the most likely to be able to execute without you being there. Exactly. Um, and that might be messages. Could and then Skype? you could just set up their message. Oh, yeah. So well, messages Skype is or for Skype. Viewing. Can, it doesn't allow you remote control, but at least you can see and but tell you'd them be, what to do. You'd, you'd be talking to them, right? Exactly. And you could say, like, I can see what you're doing. And, Move like, okay, now left. go down and click on that. Now click yeah, on this. Right. Move it right. No, right. <laughs> not your, no, not oh, my, my gosh. Right, my son right. tries to, like, direct us now when we're navigating the Apple oh, TV geez. thing. He's like, no, down, down, down. It's so funny. Anyway. Yes, messages will do this. So yeah, go set up their messages accounts, you know, put in their credentials and then send yourself a message from their account that says, hi, you know, I'm here to give you tech support. And then when they open messages, that'll be there and they'll just click on your thing in their list of messages and they'll you guys can um, start a screen sharing session. Test it way. while you're there. Use the laptop you yeah. obviously brought with you because you brought Show a laptop them. Like, with look, you. Look, this will come up on my phone and then yeah. I can see your screen and tell you what I think to do. Team Viewer is the best if you want to have unattended remote access and they want to say, I don't care, just do something for me. And the others require more involvement and participation, but it's... Um, it's really it's the, handy. You get the teachable moments. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> one thing, I saw this passing through in Twitter. People were saying, hey, this is the time when you remind you, just set up automatic cloud-based backups. And mm-hmm. it's a good option. I mean, you know, Dropbox has five gigs that's, that are free, and it's not a backup. It's a sync service, but it's effectively a backup. Like, I don't remember you're only the last... using it on one computer. It's pretty much a backup. Yeah. So you just tell your, you know, tell your relatives, put it all, instead of storing the documents folder, store it in this Dropbox folder. It's cool. And uh, so that's the, that's the easiest way because five Can gigabytes. Can they put like their taxes and stuff in there? Yeah. I mean, you know, so here's, yeah, I know. This is the thing. So Dropbox. That's like all my dad has on his computer is his quick and stuff. And his oh my gosh. Well, Dropbox and... has centralized. Uh, so, well, that's, so that's one level one is that level two is you use a service like CrashPlan or Backblaze or, or one of the others. And, you know, Dropbox, Dropbox has centralized encryption keys. So if they are actually breached, someone getting the encryption keys could gain access to account information. Now, the odds of that, one hopes, are very low. Um, and it's encrypted transport between computers and iOS and uh, other platforms and Dropbox's servers. So ostensibly, uh, you know, it's not encrypted on that end in the sense that uh, the information is stored in the clear that anyone with the keys can gain access to. The option, you know, that I prefer, and it, this may seem more complicated, but it's not if you're the one setting it up. And I've written about this quite a bit is I like to use, and I'll use CrashPlan. Uh, I just wrote about, we can talk about that a little bit. Switching from CrashPlan on one of my computers to Backblaze, both of them offer options where they don't actually store the key. Uh, CrashPlan has a few different ways of doing it and uh, Backblaze has another, but you basically create a private key. They, uh, you use that to encrypt everything and they store the encrypted versions. They have no way of retrieving it. So without your password, um, the key is unavailable. Like there's a couple different options. One is there, even with the password, there's no way for an outside party to get the key except off your own computer and they'd have to gain access to it. Uh, so you could, uh, if you're concerned about that as an issue, you can set up relatives with, uh, one of these services. You know, CrashPlan is, and Backblaze are very inexpensive for, you know, single machines. Um, uh, CrashPlan has a, oh, I don't know what it costs now. It's only a few dollars a month for a single computer. Backblaze is five dollars a month. 
or uh, I think they have a discount, $50 a year. So you're in that range. There's a family plan for crash. The whole plan year also. is a very nice Christmas present. Yeah, and 50 bucks isn't a lot. And if you're concerned about, like, for, so that's the thing. Like, Dropbox is great if it's documents. If you're concerned about photos, movies, documents, and whatever, then you want to go to a cloud based backup system because, uh, especially one that has a limit of, you know, 100 gigabytes or a terabyte or unlimited. So as your relative is capturing photos, and it's easy now for someone who just to sync and capture hundreds of gigabytes of photos over time uh, from an iPhone or another camera, depending how sophisticated they are. Uh, this ensures that when they have, when, not if, their machine fails and they call you crying, my photos are all gone. Yeah. Son, cousin, dad, my photos are all missing. You'll say, that's great because you know what? I've been getting the reports every week and it's all in crash plan or backblaze or whatever and we just have to click a button. We'll get your, you know, get your new computer set up, get a new drive in there. And uh, and we'll restore all it's the stuff. Gone. Yeah, yeah. I yeah if you've ever had anyone lose their photos, it's heartbreaking. And, and they're always like, "I always meant to set up a backup." Well, now's yeah. the time. You know, give it as a that gift. That would be a really good gift. Maybe I'll do that for my mom. It's great. I mean, my, my dad's been doing it for a long time. I set up my in-laws as uh, part of my home plan for backup service. So they, they have like one or two gigabytes. So it's not very much. Uh, there are also ways you can use uh, CrashPlan. Actually, this is one of the things I like about it very much. It has a peer-to-peer -peer option that's essentially free. And uh, you could have your relatives back up to your hard drive over the internet. So if you have a drive that's sitting there with a terabyte, you can actually set it up so their backups aren't going to cloud. They're going to your computer. That's brilliant. And sometimes there's some network issues about setting up, you know, getting through all the network address translation and so forth. And they've got good help at CrashPlan. But um, this is one of the things I like. You pay for CrashPlan to use their cloud service, but it's uh, it's essentially free for local and peer-to-peer -peer backup, as I recall. I don't think they've changed that in recent uh, in recent years. That's really um, cool. Yeah. And I just then there's other ways you can kind of level up your your family's, you know, tech stuff. Um, I know you like to talk about passwords. I love passwords. And I had a question. Um, I, I can't remember if, if this has come up before, but where do you stand on most of the questions that I'm asked by my own relatives? It's it's something about their passwords. Like they forgot <laughs> their password. I have like I have some of their passwords written down in you know in my one password and in different like you know places where I stash confidential notes um, because they cannot remember their darn passwords. So. In lieu of setting them up with something like one password, and I think like you know we should do like a PowerPoint presentation or something uh, that I can I go and show them like here's why you should use like a password manager and or even like the one built in you know the built into the but then when you're trying to log into the Mac like there's always problems where they, when they don't know their passwords. Yeah. Um, I, so if if that's a tough sell, like where do you stand on just writing down their passwords for them on an index card and like taping it inside the kitchen cabinet or something? Coincidentally, I believe there's a private eye column in Q that will be posted at macworld.com soon, in which I boldly say people should write their passwords down. Oh, and in good. Fact, no less an expert than Bruce Schneier says write your passwords down and put them in a card that you carry in your wallet. And wow. you know, I know, and you'd be like Bruce Schneier, but he's the guy who talks about it. He's the encryption guru. He's everyone going, yeah. and it's like, yeah. And the whole, and he said this in 2005. And the point is, writing down passwords isn't a problem. It's writing down your login site <laughs> and password together. That's the problem. Uh, Isolated passwords do nobody any good unless you like say, this is for this ATM card. Um, and you know, people finding your wallet, if you lose it or it's stolen, the odds of those passwords actually being useful to someone are very low as well. So, I mean, it's a great, I think it's a great backup. It, so here's the thing. Most people, especially like, I think the password orientation has been 
all the issues come from the office environment. So when you're told never write your password down, that's because you may be in an uncontrolled office. Either you have access that everyone in the office shouldn't have, or uh, contractors come through, or you're worried about someone uh, breaking into the office and just pulling post-it notes down and being able to access business records or uh, esp you know, espionage, whatever. All kinds of things happen. Someone gets a job in your company as a uh, janitor and custodian to come through and like write passwords <laughs> down. This is not this is not implausible, unfortunately. You know, and uh, it's, there's Your a whole life issue. could be a Jason Bourne movie. Like you don't know. For all we know, the U.S. government has uh, has uh, people who are speak Mandarin who are working in Chinese companies uh, doing the same thing. Might be an alien from outer space. That like, no that is really also sure. possible. They want your pa aliens want your passwords, as we all know. Uh, Jeff Goldblum needed your password, so <laughs> alien password. Uh, but so yeah, so I think if you the office hygiene thing makes sense because you're protecting business information and there and you may be in an uncontrolled environment and you may also need more complicated passwords. Blah blah blah. At home, who is going to get your password? If you write it down and stick it in a drawer, you get one of those password books. Mm -hmm. How does this put you at risk? The greatest risk is someone remotely on the internet. Anywhere else on the internet, any of the billion other people out there uh, running cracking software to use obvious passwords to break into your account. Uh, so there's – and the other thing that's neat with this is there's a thing called diceware that's more of a concept – and I write about this in the column. It's a way of uh, rolling dice uh, to put together a multi-word phrase for sites that let you use uh, long passphrases, which is a lot of them now. Uh, you you roll dice, and there's a dictionary of several thousand words, and a combination of six or seven words is like uncrackable by supercomputers over you know hundreds or millions of years right now. Like that's just it like sounds. Like monkey dishwasher is your password. Well, it'd be like funky dishwasher squirrel banana bread head or something, and it, it sounds counterintuitive. You're like, but there's a list of seven thousand words. Like yes, but seven thousand. Use in seven combinations winds up being this absurdly large number. So while it's counterintuitive, it's a way to memorize it's like an the alphabet with seven thousand letters. Like that would be yeah, a really that's right. big alphabet. Yeah, it's, I forget the the degree for those interested. The degree of entropy is I think twelve and a half bits per character, something like that. <laughs> uh, but so it's it's vastly above what's recommended. So you can create strong passwords and write them down. And whenever you have to type them in, you pull out your book. And the only thing you're worried about is, are there caretakers coming in? Are there people from outside? Are there other members of the family? I mean, or whatever. Like, then you're dealing with that dynamic as opposed to uh, the billion other people in the world who could get access to your account. So um, there are some tools, like Password Chef is some software that lets you uh, create a kind of stub thing you use everywhere that you can remember. And it has a formula that helps you create unique passwords that are you can reconstruct, so you don't have to write them all down. You just remember one thing, and the that's formula. That's kind of the system I use. Yeah, yeah I don't use that software, but that's like what I do. I have a phrase, and then I change it a little bit for each site. But that's it. yeah, and I you know I use one password uh, everywhere, and I just have that uniquely generate long things. But it's like if I wanted memorable ones. Uh, the other thing is I mentioned a product, and there are a bunch like this called QWERTY card. It's QW. Card, uh, which is a uniquely printed card that co has a correspondence between letters on the keyboard and a random assortment of uh, It's like a secret letters. decoder ring like when we were kids. It is exactly that. And it adds entropy. Again, it adds the inability for an attacker to know. So you can have a phrase. like So there is one thing. Like if you create an English phrase and you use a cipher like that, then it is possible to do substitution. However, when the uh, so if someone knew you were doing this, they could try – and you picked a short word. They could try substitute character substitutions and iterate through those. However, 
if you pick a word that's relatively long and they don't know you're doing this and you also have a unique cipher, so no two people have the same association of those codes, letter for letter, then you're achieving a level of security that's beyond beyond. So even though you could use an English word, and then you can add a little entropy. You can add a punctuation character at the end, and that makes it even more unsolvable. So these are all things that I think are, <laughs> are something you could teach someone else to do. And especially if you're like, look, A, pick up some, you know, do something wacky and put a number and a punctuation and write down dad, mom, son, daughter. Um, the other is try, you know, get them a piece of software like this or a card and have them use that. And I think it sounds, again, it sounds counterintuitive, but it would be so, you know, it's so much better than uh, the pastor being, you know, your first name because they love you so much. Like, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do my birthday. Don't do my last name or first name, whatever. Uh, so all these are great. Uh, we were also talking about this. Uh, Amazon just added two-factor authentication. And, and so I wonder, what do you think? Do you think two-factor is too complicated? You know, assuming that a relative has a smartphone or an unlimited texting plan or whatever, With is two-factor two factor... too complicated for uh, somebody who is comfortable using a computer but not more than a beginning computer user in terms of their sophistication? Um, okay. Well, two-factor, I might recommend kind of taking a demo approach and being like oh like have you heard about i don't know how you like you know bring it up but um <laughs> but you can show them your process logging into something with two factor and just have them see like it come to your you, you get a code in, in your phone and then you type it in and then you can explain that that's because it's so 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 unlikely that someone would both know your passcode and have physical access to your phone right. So that, you know, keeps your your account like double locked up. And then it sort of depends on what their experience has already been with passwords and stuff. If they're going to be like, oh, I want that. Or if they're going to be like, wow, that sounds crazy and paranoid. And I just use the same password for everything. And it's always been fine. But I mean, people hear about all these breaches and stuff now. And there were a lot of big stories this year. Like since we all went home for Thanksgiving last year, like we had Ashley Madison. We had all these things that even if they didn't affect you, you probably heard about them. So this might be a good holiday to kind of bring it up, but I would just sort of do a demo instead of being like, okay, two-factor, like we're going to set this up on all your accounts. Like just show them that you're using two-factor on a couple accounts and then, you know, mention that, oh yeah, a lot of the services have it now, Amazon, Gmail, you know, different things that they're probably using that they don't know that they could add this extra layer. I, I think it's definitely worth a demo. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, you know, hurt if they were just like, that is bananas crazy and I'm not going to do it. But uh, The flip side is, though, you can use a simpler password if you use two-factor. So you could say it's okay mm -hmm. to use our cat's name plus the number five um, as your password as long as every interaction always requires either you log in from that computer so like Amazon, I set up two-factor and uh, every kind of different thing I do, like Amazon Web Services, now I have to, like, but you can say, trust this machine. So you do the interaction once and then you enter, yes, you know. that's a good thing to mention. Biddle six. On their home computer, they can, you know, it, it'll, it'll remember that that's their home computer. Yeah, and that's true with, you know, iCloud lets you trust a computer. A lot of them do that. So but then the next time something changes and they have to enter the second factor again, then they're like, eh, I don't remember. But it rings their phone, you know, the the message will come up. It'll be like, enter the code, blah, blah, blah. So it's, but it does reduce again, this is that remote access. So if they don't want to use strong passwords, or even if they do, this takes some of the sting out of the password side. And it means like, look, someone in uh, Nigeria isn't going to suddenly be charging stuff to your Amazon account, and having it shipped to Philadelphia where it's trans shipped over. Yeah. 
This reminds this reminds me of the, the kind of another point too, which is um, you know, and it's uh, had this hit in my family, unfortunately, not not too close, but uh, phishing is um, is really effective, and phishing can be by phone. And it can be online. You know, phishing by phone is the old-fashioned scams, but they're run in exactly the same way. And I think telling, uh, especially older relatives who may not be as computer savvy or who may have cognition issues as they age, which we know happens. Uh, I'm, you know, 47, feeling it already. My brain's, I'm, I'm shot. It's, I'm <laughs> uh, but the, uh, but it's, I think reiterating the point, like no sweepstakes can ever charge you for it. If anyone emails you claiming they need your password, call me forward it to me. Don't give me your password. If someone says they need money, if someone says, oh no, there's no charges, but this fee will be refunded. Just go through the stuff with them. Bring up the, the state you're in. Bring up the attorney general's scam site and go over and say, look, if any of this happens, just contact me first before you do anything. I'm always happy to help. And you know, you might get a string of a hundred phishing emails forwarded, but you could, you could forestall something. And I think it's, um, there's so many of these attacks so relentlessly that people are bombarded. And if there's any slip in cognition, you can wind up in a situation where a relative uh, or a friend of the family can get scammed and they don't even realize they've been scammed. So uh, helping to reinforce that's always a good thing at the holidays without saying, hey, you're an idiot, mom and dad. It's like, no, no, grandpa, <laughs> don't make that stupid choice. It's like, no, it's like, you know, they're trying. They use every con game in the work. The world is, I'm sure the first, uh, the inventor of the wheel was probably scammed out of the wheel by somebody who had some kind of... You know, advanced They're getting deal. good. They almost got me the other day. So I'm. Oh, I clicked on one. I clicked on one. I thought it was an Amex thing, and I click on it, and then I'm like, "Oh my god, this is sent hey, to no." Wait a minute. Yeah, there's yeah, always I mean, that kind of moment. So that's another uh, thing you can do. You can share share your own stories. Like, yeah, don't come in being like, "Okay, I'm here to like instruct you, like you know, mom and dad," because that's not cool. But um, yeah, share your own stories. And, um, you know, everyone likes to hear about, you know, when someone else was an idiot. So share, share your own stories. <laughs> and then if they relate to that, they'll, you know, have questions for you. Be like, oh, and then I set up this and now I have more peace of mind about it. And it's great. And I can help you if you want. But, you know, I'm just I'm just telling you exactly. about this time I was dumb. I'm not ashamed. Um, I mean, I've had it. It's they're getting very sophisticated. Like I've mm -hmm. always said, the minute that scammers figure out how to use spell check, we're doomed. <laughs> it's a, a lot of, that's a lot of times. It's oh, the bad God. grammar that like tips me off. But no, I hit one where I'm like, it looked sensible. It actually they matched something I'd perfect gotten. Now. I click it's not it the and look. then I'm like, and like, like Chase, oh, I know what it was, the Chase one. Chase said they're changing, they actually did say they're changing something with their systems in the future. I think it might have to do with Quicken integration. And they sent out an email about it. They didn't say we need your password to log in. They said at some point, I think you have to change, and it, this was legitimate. I don't remember the details, but I got it, looked at it. I'm like, all right, it's not a problem yet. I'm ignoring. A few days later, obviously the scammers, some of them saw this email, said this thing like, <laughs> you need to change your pin right now. Click here and you can begin the process. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's that thing. I'll look. And I click the mail and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This yeah. is, you know, <laughs> com. They, were, they started calling themselves like the chase or something. The and you're chase. just like, wait a minute. This is the Apple. We need your the password. <laughs> yes. Apple customer service always. Oh, well, that's me. not yes. But the, uh, yeah. the other thing uh, I think we, and uh, we have advice about too is, uh, you know, sorting out cell plans. Like this oh, is always man. a good time of year, especially we with these We need brokers deals. now. Like, you know how you can get oh, like a health yeah. insurance broker that like knows about like all the ins and outs and find me the can right help you plan. find the plan for you. We need freaking cell phone brokers. Yeah, it's never been. I mean, the thing is, there's it's so, so many hard. options, and then they change it all the time, and it's like single or family or prepaid or postpaid or oh, oh, contract or no. Other thing it's is, like, oh. make sure your parents and grandparents aren't paying for AOL anymore. Okay, <laughs> that's a good one. That should They're, be they, on everyone's list. They could be list. paying anywhere from seven to twenty-two dollars a month mm -hmm. or twenty-six because they got on even when they stopped charging for dial-up. 
Some people never got off the billing and other people, they upgraded to like a security plan, which is totally worthless. So check their, you know, ask them, yes. look at their credit card bill, get that and make, make the sure call. they're not getting ripped off. Get on hold for three hours. You're going to save them like $700 a year. No, I mean, and then while you're at it, you can get their cable password so you can get their, exactly. uh, you, can, you can put that in your Apple TV. Exactly. You saw how the uh, <laughs> t- programming companies were like, uh, uh, you know, t- uh, what do you call it? Like the production companies are like, it's a, it's appalling that HBO isn't uh, monitoring this more closely. And HBO is like, look, we're selling DVDs to you. Like people do this, you know, it's a legitimate use of the password, whatever. We're not going to enforce it. And then, and then it's actually improves the market. And it's like, it's true. It's like people buy DVDs, people sign up for services. Um, HBO will get people signing up for a la carte services, which then re- result in more yeah, revenue for mind. these. It, it works. They said it was a small number of people. It's probably it probably. I is. was I, just kidding. You shouldn't steal programming, but you know. Yes. Well, there's a question. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with selling, stealing programming. I think it's like you have to pay the piper somewhere. Like I actually, I do various things where I would say I shift where the programming comes from, but I pay the piper. I always pay for what I'm getting. I just make. Sure, I don't always agree with the method by which it's been limited, especially across countries. Ha ha. That's my civil disobedience. It's content based. I suck. Um, uh, one other thing before we finish up, there's, I think, an end of the year uh, uh, deal. Someone just asked me on Twitter the other day. They said, oh, look, should I take another look at Quicken 2015? I'm like, oh, God, no, no, no. Intuit is sort of is a dead end. Um, you know, they came out with Quicken Essentials, which was moderate and kind of awful. They bought Mint, and, they, and Mint still exists as an option, but it's very specific with what it does. Uh, and um, Mint is great for just straight-up personal finance. Yeah, if you've got, but if you need to generate generate certain kinds of reports, you're trying to do anything with business, or you don't fit into the Mint mindset, which is really around budgeting and so forth, It's and trying to set budgets and so forth. Yeah, very basic. Yeah, and so um, I've been using Quick in 2007. I've been lucky because Intuit has been doing that thing where it's released updates. It's It released, you know, Yosemite updates for Quick in 2007, and I love them for doing that. And um, they are even so honest that Quick in 2015 has a page in which it shows you side by side all of their products, including Quick in 2007, and what features 2015 is implemented. And then they're asking for people to vote, essentially, what do you want us to add, which is honest. But again, so the best time to make a financial switch is the end of the year. So if you're using Quicken 2007 or other software that you don't like, this is the time to plan. I'm trying iBank right now. A lot of people like iBank and other people like uh, Money Dance. And the question I have is, can iBank make the kinds of reports I need to do tax filing? So in Washington State, all uh, gross business income is taxed. So I need to be, and I some I have different accounts for different things. And I've got a PayPal account for business. I've got an LLC account. I've got a business account. And so I need to be able to categorize stuff and pull a report that then divides by income categories like commissions and writing and royalties. And I can do this. This is totally a basic thing in Quicken 2007. And you literally cannot do it in Quicken 2015. Oh, every man. time, every time I try to find a financial program to switch to over the last eight years, I will try this basic thing. I'll import some data. Sometimes the import goes bad or not. I'll try to run a report or set it up, and it won't work. I'll look at documentation, email the company. Bah. So I got to see if iBank uh, it has um, report customization, and I basically need a couple, you know, some subtotals. I don't need like anything pivot tables and crud. So uh, wow. this is the time is you finish doing all your accounts, you keep them in the current program, you keep it all current to December 31st, but you simultaneously transition. So you're looking at the same data in two programs. And then January 1st, you say, here's the mark in the sand that I'm going to start accounting for this tax year, if that's your tax year, 
from there. Uh, some people do switch to QuickBooks. Some people get Windows, uh, even an emulation. I know people who are running mm-hmm. a virtual machine in VMware to uh, run Windows <laughs> so they can run Quicken for Windows. Yeah, I, uh, I actually, I've, I've heard of that too. It's funny. But you'd think there'd be more of a market. But I think Intuit and Mint as an online service, I think they suck the life out of enough competitive interest to do something that's sophisticated. I think QuickBooks dominates the small business market. Then there are online services that are like customer um, relation, so CRM programs, customer relationship management programs that often tie in with some kinds of invoicing and other things. You use them as a package. So anyway, think about it. I know it's November, but it's almost January 1st. You have all of December. It's almost December. And if you don't do this it- This year went so fast. What happens is if it's February, you're like, oh, I want to switch over. You're like, well, oh, it's a pain. I've already gotten, uh, and then you then don't Because then you know it. you're going to have to sit there for hours and uh-huh. kind of like catch everything up. So you if can, you do it now, exactly. you, could always, you, start you can fresh. always abandon it later. You but. don't enter all your back data. You keep it there. At some point, I'm worried quick in 2007 will stop functioning. So I'm going to dump out reports at some point. And uh, in America, at least, you only have to keep- Seven years of financial records. And so you don't have to keep the stuff forever, but you, you know, if you have some paperwork, I have very little paper these days. I get no bank statements. I get no credit card statements. I, I get uh, literally, I think the only thing I get is, um, my kids' bank statements by law have to be mailed. They can't give you electronic, uh, disclosure, I think, until oh, they're 13. Yeah, I mean, it's right. It's a it's a protective thing because the kids can't opt in and for security. Sure, sure. Uh, but like that's the only thing I think I get right now is like that, and I occasionally get a mortgage thing they have to send in paper um, because of disclosure rules. Uh, so really, all I got to do is, I mean, all you got to do is um, start fresh. Start in January first. Like, do the transition now. Make sure you got all the sync. Like, you know, iBank. I'm messing around with it, and I was able to, you know, download. Uh, don't go to. A Mac App Store to get iBank because they can't give you a trial there. If you go to iBank's website, you can get a 30-day trial. Mm-hmm. And uh, their software, I believe it's $60, but they also have a subscription service that's optional, but it works with more banks. Some banks won't let you go through a conduit. They have an arrangement there with this paid service that's some premium level and you can add. So I was able to add uh, two credit cards and my credit union without a problem. But I have a separate business account at my credit union. I couldn't add that because it won't support two separate accounts for the same institutions. I'll have to go to the paid service. There's two credit cards I have that I'll have to go to the paid service to use too. So I haven't done that yet because I'm still evaluating it. But again, these are all things like I want to be able to do bill pay. I want to be able to do, um, uh, which is supported for some banks and institutions. I want everything in one place. And so this is the time. This is the record of the time. This is the time. Good for tip. Fans. Uh, and I think, I think we have hit our, our limit. No one, we're not allowed to talk anymore. Uh, we're done. I have just a couple no, small <laughs> follow-up things from a previous episode. Well, so a okay. few people have reached out um, about our Apple TV episode because it turns out we were wrong about a couple of things. I said that you couldn't use the old um, remote with the new Apple TV. Turns out I was totally wrong about that. I don't know how I messed that up, but I did. So, yes, you can use the old remote with the new Apple TV. I, you know, who, who knew? And then it turned out um, Rob Griffiths found out this weekend that if you wake up your TV, your new Apple TV with the old remote, and then you don't touch the Siri remote at all, yes. and then you go to enter text, it'll give you the text in the little um, you know, grid box where you still have to you know, type, press the letters one at a time, but it's easier to do because they're not all in one long row. So um, someone wrote that up as a how-to for the site. Thank you. 
Um, so yeah, that that's that's one bit of follow up, and um, thanks to everyone who corrected me on that because like, wow, <laughs> big mistake. Oh, and then yeah. the well, other it's, cool it's thing tricky. is you got to is... make sure you associate it though. That's the thing is, and if you already have a device, you know, I've had that problem. I wrote a piece for um, for our fine site about how I had two remotes and one was accidentally running the Apple TV even though it should have been running a, a Mac and oh, I couldn't paired. and you couldn't unpair it. I've heard from many people that's impo- they've been unable to uh, to unpair their remote. So even though they've paired it with a new device, it's still controlling the old one. So you can wind up, as I did, making purchases by accident because oh, yeah. it's going through different menus that you're not seeing. So worth worth double checking that you are completely unpaired from your old, uh, whatever old device you're using with that remote. We'll update the article. Um, we'll find the article about how to unpair it and, and, and update oh, that. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I mentioned, um, kind of doing like sort of like a butt dial where you like brush up against the, <laughs> the trackpad and you yeah. end up like inadvertently fast forwarding or rewinding the program that you're watching. And like, that's really annoying. Somebody else found out um, that if you press the menu button once after that happens, it'll jump right back to where you are. Oh! So this is one of those like oh. awesome features that Apple puts in and then like makes totally undiscoverable, which yeah. is kind of a problem. But you know that's what you guys like. That's what we're here for. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't I haven't tried it yet, but um, that's I you know I'm told that it works and I will try it. But I just wanted to follow up because people have been alerting us to those things. So thank you. That's good. Well, we'll all learn more about Apple TVs after we've gone home for holidays and set them up for relatives, of course. Yeah, I'm and looking have forward them to playing some about party them. games. Yeah, well, uh, that's, I think we've, that, now we have actually run out of time. As if there's any <laughs> amount of time. There's no such thing as running out of time. <laughs> that's it. We're done. Uh, our tape is about to start flapping around on the reel-to-reel, folks. And uh, <laughs> so, Susie Oaks, have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, you too. Thank you. We're going to have a very right. quiet Happy one. Thanksgiving to all the listeners out there. We are not traveling. <laughs> oh no we we figured out how not to do that but uh that's always good yeah so I happy thanksgiving travel. to everybody out there and safe tr- uh, happy american thanksgiving to our canadian listeners happy thursday and friday in which americans won't be emailing you and uh we'll be talking to you again next week so i've been glenn fleischman and this has been the Macworld podcast episode 484 for november 25th 2015 we uh, will be back next week and you can always email us there's this thing called email podcast at macworld.com or keep leaving your comments at macworld.com for the podcast uh, uh, page we do look at those and it helps us set future topics so thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next week